Hey everybody, welcome once again to the show that uh, has absolutely no commercials, no music, no jingles, no talent, no row virus, and no agenda. Coming to you from a, a very dark and wet United Kingdom, I'm Adam Curry. And I'm John C. Dvorak. We're getting pounded by a huge storm. <laughs> you were just, uh, just before we started, you were... What were you closing the window or something, or putting a screen no, up? I had it was... to, it looks like the screen is f- f- gonna fly out into the ocean here if I don't. So I had to open the window to grab it, and now it's uh, and it was just like got everything wet. So what? Are the, what are these winds? Because I even saw a news report about it somewhere. I was aware of this <laughs> that this was happening. Yeah, it's just a big, you know, we, once in a while we get these whopping, whopper storms. We don't get a lot of action usually, but we had, but there's these two storms that came in. One came in at four in the morning last night. It was just like 60 mile an hour winds, cold and raining, uh, like to an extreme. In fact, this morning I was do- trying to do some work here and I was like so noisy. I couldn't even concentrate, mm. uh, which is unusual. And it's also coming from a weird angle, which is always annoying. And it, it, it kind of messes up the, uh, you know, the, most people's houses are kind of set up in a certain way, so the, you know, so the so the uh, shingles don't go flying off the roof. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm I don't know, I'm going to check this roof after this one. Okay. Well, real sorry for all you folks in California. I mean, we're used to that shit. We get high winds all the time. You no, know, you don't get this kind of weather. Well, I mean, well, I, I've been well, in London when it's been pretty bad, but I don't know. Yeah, it can it can, it can be pretty pretty weird. Anyway, it's Friday afternoon. Uh, or at least it is. Uh, it's actually it's uh, Friday evening, seven o'clock in the, in the UK. Um, so one day early, or actually on time for once. Right, we're supposed to do it on Friday, but we never do. And I figured out uh, the Skype problem, and <laughs> I really feel dorky about it. And <laughs> you know, you remember last week uh, the, the connection got so bad at a certain point um, that we actually turned the conversation into how can we do this in, a, in an easier <laughs> easier way that at least will sound good. Um, I had my, uh, I'm on the PC when I do this cause it's kind of like permanently installed in the, in the studio. And I had my, uh, my MacBook pro, uh, up here in the office and, uh, I had left iTunes running and it was, uh, oh. <laughs> I know I'm such a dick. So it was, it was downloading podcasts. Well, you know, when you're on the sorry ass DSL line, like I have here, then that just blew it all. So my, my fault won't happen again. Good, but you sounded fine the whole podcast. Well, yeah, because I, I, it's recording my mic. Are you you listen to it? You listen to the show? Yeah, really? No, no. I mean, no. But what I'm referring to is during the show while we're recording oh. it. Okay, no, I understand. But you sounded fine. I don't really listen to the show. I mean, why? There's no real reason to listen to the show since I've right. done the show. Right. That, that's what. But, that's why I was surprised. I, th- I thought you had gone back and listened to the show. I don't listen to my show. Well, I will, once in a while, I will just to see how the quality is. Mm. But, well, most you know, people think sure our quality is actually pretty decent. Uh, that's not bad. Yeah. So, you know, this week, of course, we just happened to be uh, having pod show meetings, and uh, uh, I asked you, I so said, let's just do the show now, because we're absolutely as unprepared as possible, which I think is the kind of the theme of the show, just to show people that it can be done that way. Yes. And so, so, I guess, so I guess that's, that's it I then. Think that's it. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Um, well, why don't we talk about one thing that happened to you? You had norovirus. 
Yeah, uh, that's the, uh, the the epidemic that is uh, sweeping across uh, the continent now. Uh, this uh, they call it the vomiting virus. Not that I vomited because I don't do that. It, it's, it's in the United States that would have, that would be known as the stomach flu, which we've had you know bouts with now and again. And uh, but I, it seems as though England in particular is just. Very hard hit. Now you're telling me it hit the continent too. Yeah. Well, um, at least th- those those are the reports that I've been getting. First of all, they they actually the the BBC report says that the symptoms are projectile vomiting. So you know that is not just the stomach flu. Um, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I like the BBC writing that down. You know, pro- you will projectile vomit, um, which I have never done in my life. Did you projectile vomit? No, I haven't puked in thirty years, John. I don't puke. Oh, one of those guys. I knew I had a friend in high school that never puked. I, it's not like I like I, I you know I just don't have to puke. Uh, I'm sorry, so I'm not a puker. What can I tell you? The whole family is is anti puke here, by the way. So you didn't have projectile vomiting? No. Well, no. So there's so so much for the symptoms. Uh, no, because the symptoms can be high fever, which I had. Um, I you know I had a, an upset stomach for sure. It's just I don't puke. That's the only difference. Uh, believe me. You know, there's an, enough project, projectiles, just not vomit. Oh, I get Catch it. Catch my drift. We won't go there. Okay, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Um, but this is highly contagious. And, um, uh, you know, so I, I posted on my blog that, you know, okay, uh, I'm sick. And then, you know, the reports came out about this virus. And then, you know, everyone on uh, in the country is, you know, at, every news report is talking about it. And they're saying, look, you know, so you're, you're you got a fever, you're sick to your stomach. Don't go to the doctor. You're only going to infect more people. Uh, it's infecting 200,000 people a week. And they believe that there may already be 2 million people in the UK alone who are infected. And when I posted on my weblog, I started getting comments from everywhere. Um, from the Netherlands, from Germany, from uh, Finland, from Italy. I mean, this thing is just, and it's really, really, really fast. And you get it um, by being in close proximity to someone else. So um, sporting events, uh, airplanes, uh, ships. In fact, uh, I think it's the Queen, is it Queen Mary too? That uh, yeah. that uh, had... A- they uh, they set sail and uh, and there's like a, a fifty people who have the flu on board now. Yeah, well, that, you know, and, and of course the smart money, whether you have the flu or not, you say you didn't get a free ride. <laughs> yeah, okay, it's a known fact. It's like the biggest scam going right now. People, you know, they get on a cruise ship and then they, if there's any indication that something's breaking out, they go in with the symptoms. And, uh, you know, you can have some a glass of Tabasco sauce if you want to elevate your temperature. Mm. And, really? Does that uh, work? With, well, no, you can, if you eat some really hot food, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some very spicy Mexican food, some jalapenos, you can get your temperature up a few notches. Really? I should have and known you, that as a kid, man. I was always like running around my room and, you know, and trying to, <laughs> to work up my body temperature that way. Yeah, most kids can't. To handle it. But yeah, you see, you, you see people that sweat. I remind, I'm reminded of a story. Since, you know, in California, a lot of us eat a lot of hot chilies, and although not necessarily as much as some of us do who are really kind of addicted to the chili. Mm-hmm. And and I'm quite comfortable with the hottest imaginable food, except some places in India have served food that is excruciating and maybe too too much for me. But So I'm in Brazil. Well, you're a professional, and, John. Uh, let's just be honest. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. Doing what? You're, you're a professional, professional foodie. Chili. Yeah. 
I'm a foodie, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm. Uh, so, by the way, the thing about chilies for people out there who, who want to say, well, "What's the big kick?" Well, I mean, besides the fact you get a little endorphin hit, the real kick of chilies is it ch- actually changes because it burns out certain taste buds for a short term. Uh, it changes the flavor profile of foods, and you actually t- and the food tastes differently. And sometimes it's meant to taste that differently way for huh. you to f- fully appreciate it. So I'm in Brazil, where they where they really like hot chilies, but not that many people actually in Brazil eat them. But they, they're they're all over the place. And when I go to these churrascarias, which are these Brazilian barbecue places, which are all over the world now, uh, but any of them outside of Brazil, they never have the chili sauces. They usually in Brazil, you go to one of these places where they have these barbecued meats on a sword. They bring out and you, you ask for this piece or that piece. Uh, they have like this. They have these hot some scotch bonnets and these really little bitty really dinky little peppers uh that are extremely hot and you eat those first before you before you get to the meat the the peppers are usually soaked in a vinegar or a vinegar oil mixture and it's that mixture the the oil and vinegar you put on the meat Mm. you don't ever eat the peppers oh okay generally Generally, it's just a hot. It's a really kind of a, ver, a version of a hot sauce. It's, it's very, and it can be extremely hot. Anyway, but so I'm in Brazil, and this guy's, you know, I'm in Rio, actually, at a little uh, barbecue place right on the beach. And the uh, guy says, uh, this guy, I'm, he's another journalist, and he's like, challenges me to these peppers, thinking I'm just some sort of wimp from the United States who doesn't know anything about peppers. <laughs> so I... Um, I say, yeah. He says, would you ever have these pepper sauce? I say, yeah, those peppers are, you know, are pretty hot. They're pretty nice. He says, would you ever eat one of the peppers? <laughs> what kind of a said, child was this guy? <laughs> I know. He's just a jerk. He's a typical journalist. Oh, okay. Anyway, so, whoops. Anyway, so um, he says, I said, yeah, I'll eat one if you eat one. You know, here we go. Here we go. How mature. <laughs> Jeez, nice. <laughs> So he says, okay. And so I took one of the peppers and chewed it up and swallowed it. And it was really, it was hot, but it wasn't intolerably hot. I mean, there's many a pepper harder than the thing. And he says, he says, uh, you want to you have another one? I, oh, no, I said, you want to have another one? Because he put one in his mouth. Uh-huh. And, I, and he says, sure. And so we took another one. I chewed it up and swallowed it. And, you know, and that was kind of the end of it for about five or six minutes. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, this guy turns beet red. And starts projectile vomiting. Well, he doesn't do that, but that's no. a funny punchline. But anyway, so he turns beet red, and he's, like, dying, sweating. He's drinking yeah. water. And I said, what happened? <laughs> he says, well, I... He says, well, I saw you. I says, I, he says, I didn't eat the peppers. I just put them in my mouth and kind of Oh, he kept them, them in his there. mouth? Oh, no. And then he says, and then when I saw that you ate them and swallowed them with no problem, that I, I decided <laughs> what a dick. I decided they can't. They can't be that hot. <laughs> and so, anyway, I thought this was just like a personal. Uh, this is one of those anecdotes um, show him for the right. audience. That, you know, oh, know nice. I one of those, even He's showing how the immature adults can be. So um, we were talking about this. Uh, just back to the flu for a second. We were talking about that earlier in the week, and you said something really interesting after I made a comment. And you said it would be a great uh, theme for a book. And this is a theory that I've had for a long time: is that you know every season, I'm sure some pharmaceutical conspiracy throws shit into the air so that they can go sell all the antidote. 
And it's, yeah, I know you said that. And it's, it's a nut job t- thing to say, but I was thinking, well, would it, would, wouldn't it actually be a bad idea for a book or a crappy you know, TV show or something like that? Well, just think about it. So, the, you know, Patricia, as long as I've been married to her, she and, and even well, as long as I've known her, um, she's always gotten the flu uh, shot every single year. She's a big believer. I am not a believer in the flu shot because, at least I wasn't a believer in the flu shot, because I'm like, how the hell can they have this? This thing changes, it morphs, it comes back in different... Uh, at least this is what I think we're led to believe, is that you know when this flu comes back, and it's amazing how it always comes back kind of in the wintertime, um, but now these flu jabs, which are not cheap... Uh, they ten work. bucks, come on. Ten bucks, but they're they, ten bucks. But they, what do you mean but, they're not but cheap? They, but they, but they work, right? Yeah, they do. Okay, so. Well, you now what you're now you're you're changing your whole pitch here on the on the other story. I'm saying I'm saying they're pre-selling the antidote. This is a form of it's a form of extortion. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, no, I understand that. I've thought that myself once in a while. It's like these guys dream up these, you know, they go, there's actually four, typically four vaccines in a flu shot uh, for four different versions of the flu that they predict based on epidemiology and some other things. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's but a, see, is, is it really a prediction or do they know what they're going to throw in the air? That's what I'm saying. Well, see, that's what you're saying. And I can imagine other people thinking that. Uh, I mean, it's an interesting theory to, to, to consider, but uh, I think if you talk to a virologist, you might get a, a reasonable, maybe you should get one on the show and somebody can explain to us how this actually does work, because I don't believe for a minute that they have to, because of the way the flu perpetrates itself, or, gener- or self-perpetrates, not the right word, but, uh, you know, s- spreads itself, uh, they don't have to do that, what you're claiming. People do it on their own. You know, people sneeze on each other. They don't, you know, use a Kleenex. No, they right, blow but, their nose but the actual, the but the actual flu itself, right? I mean, th- this thing comes and why does it appear all of a sudden? Why does the flu just appear? I mean, so so they know what it is because they can create the antidote for it, right? Um, the vaccine. The vaccine. I like antidote. Sounds. I like, better. I like the antidote, <laughs> though. It's a funny idea. <laughs> um. And and then and then you know lo and behold uh, the virus shows up. But where does that virus originate from? And and how come it's exactly the virus that they have the antidote for? China. Uh, <laughs> yet yet you know bird flu we can't figure out when that one hits. I don't know. It just I I just got a weird feeling about it. I don't know. Well, I mean, I'd say, I think a lot of people are like you, you know, misinformed and believe in conspiracies and blonde, really not <laughs> blonde, not too interested in science or anything like that. No, not at all but, interested in that kind of stuff. Forget about it. We, why don't we get a virologist and we'll talk to him and we'll figure this out and maybe be educate good. ourselves and the public. Oh, uh, you know, we we don't usually comment on on news stories, but. Um, you you know the story that's been whipping around the blogosphere about um, uh, the RIAA. Apparently, some lawyer in a court in a court case stated um, that making right. a copy of a CD um, uh, that that would be uh, deemed stealing. By the way, this is my this is my PC Magazine column for this week. By the way, well, let me just see. If it, let, let me just see if we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, we're talking about the idea that if you rip... You no, know, wait, wait, stop. Rip- no, stop, John. No, no, I'm, I'm doing my research. Listen to this. Listen to uh. this. It turns out that the, this, this started in a Washington Post article 
written by a guy named Fisher, I believe. I know, I know. I, I refer to this article. And then Steve Wildstrom at the Business Week and a few other guys that come out and say, nah, this is bull. No because way. There's no, this no, one no, no. This doesn't. No, no, no. You're missing it. You, <laughs> listen to me now. Well, let, me finish the, let me finish the sentence. <laughs> he only, he only um, cited half of the quote. The quote that the person from the RIAA made was, if you rip a CD, put it on your hard drive in a shared folder... That would be deemed illegal, and he chose not to quote that part in the article. That you didn't know. Well, okay. Yeah, but that's a, but that's a big deal. They have been skirting. They have. It's a big deal for this particular episode. They have been skirting around this possibility of finding some way to condemn MP3s to some illegal status for some time. They talk about it every once in a while. And and Wildstrom in at Business Week wrote this up, and, and they cited the, you know, the the there's a U.S. code law that says that you know you're allowed to make it was put in the law you're allowed to make copies for personal use. And it went on and on. But if you read that law very carefully, and I wrote this actually in a comment on the Business Week site, if you read that very carefully, it specifically says what you can make copies onto, and a computer hard disk is not one of them under any circumstances. And I believe that they're going to find some way, because of the way that law is written, to, to skirt the personal copy um, protection issue, because a hard disk is not protected by that law. The only things that are are audio recording devices, whether digital or analog, not hard disks. I think you're downplaying my point. <laughs> I I'm not downplaying it. I'm ignoring it. What you're you're going to hate it because you're that, it's it's going to be bigger than the story. It's a the journalist well, the journalist made a huge uh, journalistic mistake and won't admit it. Oh well, that's an issue. And I know what your point is is that here's a guy who took a thing out of context and then he made a big story article yes. out of it. And meanwhile, yes. it's like one of those deals where you misquote somebody and you make a make a federal case out of it. Yeah, yeah, that's you're right. It's a completely different point than my point. But I still think that underlying the whole thing is this um, is the RIA's attempt to uh, genuinely uh, kill off the MP3. Wow. Well, so is the reverse also true? If I um, buy tracks off of iTunes and then I burn it to a CD, is that okay? I don't know. <laughs> That's all I know. I'm done. <laughs> I am no, I'm, I'm of no further use on this topic. Uh, uh, all right. I'm sorry. I, I, I was really interested in the journalistic angle to it. That's what The journalistic angle is he did a bad thing, and he's probably got chewed out for it already, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he he won't admit to it, which is the interesting part about it. Well, that is that that doesn't make sense. Generally speaking, your best bet is to admit you screwed up uh, as fast as you can, and then go back to the point and you know that you were trying to make to begin with, and kind of prove that your screw up had nothing to do with your point. Uh, that's what you try to do if you can. But if you're obviously if the screw up is fundamental to the point, uh, then you're out of luck. I'm. Uh... I'm really nervous about a new TSA initiative, John. Oh, here we go again. Yeah. Um, you know, being a, a, a mild sufferer of uh, Tourette's syndrome, uh, the TSA has in, actually for a while now apparently have initiated the SPOT program, which uh, stands for Screening Passengers by Observation Technique. 
<laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> listen, listen, listen to this. Uh, so it's been, uh, since uh, January 2006, behavior detection officers. <laughs> well, I, I love that title. I wonder if they have. Oh, a I got to get a business card. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to get a pod show business card that has that as my title. Behavior detection officer. <laughs> have referred about 70,000 people for secondary screening. Of those, now check this out, about 600 to 700 were arrested on a variety of charges, including possession of drugs, weapons violations, and outstanding warrants. And I'm like, wait a minute, maybe I'm just nuts, but now we have the TSA just randomly, you know, choosing you at the airport, and and, and and, and now if I'm carrying uh, some, some prescription drugs... Without a prescription, you know, I can get busted. I mean, th- what is this? It's just, a, yeah, it's not unreasonable search. Well, I think it's profiling, but they've come up with a new way to circumvent the profiling uh, provisions. Interesting, but you know, it's behavior. I have to get that behavior. What is it again? It's uh, behavior. Be, be, uh, hold on, let me go back to it. Uh, Behavioral <laughs> observation officer, or something behavior like that. detection officer. Behavior detection officer. I okay, like it. Okay, so uh, questions like, how are you today? Where are you heading? Is this all your property? Uh, this is, it's, I'll, I'll say this, this article, it's a great article, but here, here's what was funny. Yeah, I got to blog it. Yeah, you do. Um, TSM, uh, uh, to emphasize the sensitivity TSA is bringing to the program, uh, they had a meeting with an association for people with Tourette's disorder to assure them that having a tick will not result in a pat down. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to get a note from the doctor. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sorry, you, you can't actually pat me down because I have Tourette's syndrome. Unbelievable. You, you don't have the cussing type, though. You have the Tourette's that results in, like, one tick that's ridiculously minor that's hardly noticeable. E, that's it, as far uh, as I know. Yeah, well... Yeah, are, are you a neat freak? Most Tourette's syn- syndrome people, the ones that have a good case of it, are, if above all, neat no, freaks. No, no, not at all. Not at well, all. then you don't even get the good advantage of it, no, then. No, and it's, it's in our family. It's hereditary. Well, you just have some, you know, okay, so you don't have the neat thing going. No, no. There was a good special on PBS about Tourette's. It was quite quite interesting. And, you know, the, the, the crazy Tourette's where, uh, Tourette's where people cuss out of the blue. Wait, is this with uh, the kids? Are you talking about the kids? No, it was a whole bunch. It was just a whole show. It was a, long, mm-hmm. a few years ago. I, but it was a good education for anyone who didn't understand what it was. Because mm-hmm. you, you can see some of these people once in a while. You say, yeah, that guy's got Tourette's. You don't think much about it. Uh, although I did uh, see a guy thrown off of an airplane for having it uh, once. <laughs> you, you witnessed that, really? Yeah, no, the guy was coming. In fact, I saw it right from the get-go. I mean, he first he came going in with nuts, a, right? He was just a he was a mess. <laughs> and he was he was cussing. It's and he funny. You can't help but laugh about. It. <laughs> well, it was it was pretty. It was kind of amusing. But I felt sorry for the guy for being thrown off the plane because he was obviously harmless. Yeah. But but he was like you know a mess, and he was besides the cussing, he was shaking, and he couldn't roll his roller cart, so he had the, the wheels upside down, and he was dragging along, he was bouncing all over the place. It was just like <laughs> I was wondering if somebody's filming this for some TV show. And uh, they finally got on the plane, and they and he couldn't stop cussing, and the, so they took him <laughs> off. <laughs> well, don't forget, we do have the uh, no agenda drinking game. I mean, I I do yeah, a little we, bit of cussing. 
Yeah. yeah. Well. No, but you know, the, but it, you know what it is. It. Um, I. I very, very, very mild. But um, there's uh, sometimes uh, guttural grunting, or there's all kinds of weird little shit. And it mo- for me, it's it moves around all over the place. You know, for all it's it's not consistent. Never has been. It's in variations, degrees. It's uh, it's really weird. Huh. And uh, but there was a. I think it was a. I don't know if it was a PBS special. There was, a, there was a special about kids with Tourette, and my uh, my cousin's son Connor uh, was like the main um, uh, the main character. The main character, yeah, of, of this special. It's 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 a very very good. I'll see if I can find. It. I'm sure it's on Google uh, Video. You know, maybe somewhere. that's what I it may be what I saw, but I think not because it was it was pretty. I thought it was more about adults actually. Mm. But I I don't know, maybe I've not not seen that one. But I, once you see that, you understand what that is. That that. Well, no one really, no one really understands it, John. There's no. No, I mean, I'm saying as a, as a member of the public that that doesn't suffer from it. Right, uh, when you right. see somebody with it, you you know, it's not like a big deal. No, and it's it's very identifiable once you are familiarized with it too. Yep, and I, then mean, you- I wouldn't have identified your whatever that one tick you have as anything other than uh, just a, a nervous uh, tick that shows up once in a while. Yeah, well, I mean, but it moves around. It can, it can go from my shoulder typical to my neck or like, whatever. Yeah, I just thought you were uptight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's unfortunate because I'm pretty fucking laid back, John. <laughs> yeah, a drink, finally. Just so you know. Ah, there we go. Yes. Ah, nice one. Okay. All right, so what else we got on the agenda here? Mm, I don't know. Do you have anything specific? Well, I was looking at some stuff that I didn't cover in my uh, Tech 5 report. There's a bunch of weird stuff going on. Uh, it's not necessarily news-related. It's just kind of trends. I noticed that one thing I'm doing on Tech 5 is I'm, I'm finding all these laundry lists. At the end of the year, it's like very popular. The eight things about this, the nine things yeah, that took place. Yeah, I heard it. I the heard seven it. things... Yeah, well, they have, and they're always, there's a formula, which is what fascinates me, is that the last item always sucks <laughs> as an item. It's like they ran out of material and they make something up. Right. And uh, without exception. Um, I was kind so of happy I, I, was, I was sick during the, uh, uh, during the old and, you know, the New Year switchover. Uh, because I couldn't then resort to creating one of my own, you know, because <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it's not just in, you know, it's newspapers, it's every, everyone's fucking weblog, you know, everyone's doing right. it, and I'm so, so, so sick of it. Yeah, I mean, I used to work at a couple of places where they required it, you know, oh, you're a columnist, you have to do a, do what's going to happen next year predictions, uh, and I yeah. remember the one I wrote some years ago, it was like, the, you know, the predictions... Or all, if anybody's any good at predicting, it's because they have inside information. It's yeah. not predicting anything. Yeah. Because especially with high tech, it's just impossible. And the one thing that is being ignored, and I, I've been harping on this a little bit in some of my columns, is that is the switch that people are making subtly that no one's ever said this is a major trend. When I think it's the biggest trend in the industry, the switch over from desktop computers to laptop computers used as desktop computers. Yeah. Almost everybody at Podshow, except me. Because I have a Mac, uh, an iMac with two screens, and I don't feel like I should be dragging a laptop all over the place. Uh, but everybody except me, as far as, and maybe I think uh, 
Garcia maybe doesn't have a laptop. I'm not sure. But anyway, the uh, rest of the everybody has uses laptops, and they, they, maybe they hook a big screen to them. Most of the time, they don't even do that. They just use the crappy little laptop screen, the crappy little laptop keyboard. I can't take it. <laughs> and they're all hunched over these things. And everybody in most businesses now are using laptops instead of desktops because the laptops are more powerful in many cases. Well, are, are you really, now are that, really sure about that? That in, I mean, when you say most businesses, I mean, you're talking really enterprise-wide? I'm starting to ask around. I'm asking around more and more and more, and I'm getting more and more of this. The pod show offices are just the, you know, the one of many places when given the opportunity. Uh, people, people will take choose a, a laptop, the, yeah. They choose the laptop. They take the laptop home. They have everything they want on the laptop. They lose the laptop, and then they're screwed. <laughs> yep. Uh, they don't back things up properly. With the laptop, you really have to be conscientious. You should have it password protected, so if somebody steals it, they can't take all your data. Yep. And, you sh- I mean, you definitely should do it. Nobody does that. Nobody backs it up. It's a disaster waiting to happen for most people. Well, but yeah. it's an. But it, what's weirder to me is that the trend kind of took, I think, Scott, every, it's taken everyone by surprise. I mean, I've I've been a, a a laptop guy only for years. I mean, I I don't even remember the last time I had a desktop. It's uh, yeah, to me that's quite normal. And all the companies that I've had in the last ten years, it was I think all laptops. Even uh, yeah, even from uh, mid nineties. Well, the crossover point for sales from laptops to desktops only been within the last couple of years. So not everybody was that advanced, but it's an obvious trend to me. And it's, uh, you know, I still, I guess I'm just going to be the old-fashioned guy because I still have a laptop that I use. I synchronize it with the desktop. When I travel, I take the laptop and I use it right. for mostly email and some surfing and right. stuff like that. But I don't want to use, if I can have a, a big screen and a big powerful desktop, like for example, the machine I'm on now, which runs the, uh, the this, you know, I run, I run a whole amp through it. I've got like uh, two DVD burners, one that's a two-sided, and I have a, uh, a, a couple of three and a half inch drives, and I have a five and a quarter inch drive on this thing for finding, because once in a while I find an old disc, I need to convert it. Uh, you know, it's a pretty powerful unit. It's got a lot of USB ports and some other connectivity. It's fast. It's got a terabyte in it. I mean, it just seems to me that I would rather have this than a crappy little laptop that I'm hunched over. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting. Uh, I'm just out of out of the. I don't know. No, no, that's it's cool. But just on the laptop thing, I I really enjoyed your article about the one laptop per child. I totally agree. Oh, the, the, yeah. I got, it's, I got a lot of uh, – that's one of those articles. You got a lot was, of neg- negativity for it, I'll bet. You, you, got a, you get the mix, the absolute split down the middle type of, uh, of response. I'm an idiot for suggesting it. These people yeah. are trying to do good work, and yeah. I'm in their way, yeah. which I always find to be bold. I'm not in anybody's way. Yeah. I'm just saying stuff. And then there's other guys say, yeah, this is a crock, and you're right on the money. I mean, there's nobody in the middle in, in any way, and it's just like you're an idiot or you're a, you're a great guy kind of thing. And, right, you know, right. I expect that, that, that kind of article. That was good, though. I, I enjoyed that. It's just one, it's one thing I promised I was gonna promise myself I was going to talk to you about. Because, um, you know, when I was sick, I was watching, you know, of course, you know, I was laying there in bed watching tons of conspiracy videos, you know, not much more to do, right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you're gonna make yourself crazy, by the way, listening to that stuff. No, I, I actually believe my I have uh, I've throttled back because you're right. You go absolutely bonkers from it. Um, but uh, I did run across uh, a reference that came back a couple times and I started to do some research now because, of course, I'd planned to do the show tomorrow. I don't have everything done. But um, the origin of. The name Al Qaeda. Do you know what that is? 
Did you ever get that, that video I sent you from the BBC? Yeah, dude, that's what, that's, that's what started me off. I watched all three of them. You mean oh, okay. the, uh, the Power of Nightmares? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, that was, that was very good. That was very... I posted... Thanks for reading my fucking weblog, John. I even credited you. <laughs> I, oh, well, I, I don't read a lot. I, I, I'm a writer. I write. I don't read. So um, yeah. I, my reading days are over. I'm they, a lover, not a fighter. Anyway, it's exactly the same. So uh, the so, origin okay, of yeah, the name no, Al Qaeda. Do you know the origin? Did you do? Yeah, I do because I saw those those same specials. But did you do any research into this to make to, to verify this information? Well, so that's that's what my whole preamble was. I did find um, uh, a couple of articles. The Guardian, I would say, is reasonably uh, trustworthy. Left wing. Yeah. Well, yeah, left wing. But but the fact. Let me just read this to you. Because um, it's about Bin Laden, right? So Bin Laden was through a product of uh, monumental miscalculation by Western Europe throughout the eighties. Okay, but wait, 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 listen, wait. Before uh, you, I think you better preface to the listeners out there what the answer to the question is before you start to document the answer. In well, other the words, answer to the question is coming up in this next sentence. Okay, go. It's just well, the uh, okay. The answer is it stands for the database. That's the answer. It's is it like it's Arabic for di- for the database. And the reason why is throughout the 80s, bin Laden was armed by the CIA, funded by the Saudis, to wage jihad against the Russian occupation of Afghanistan. Al-Qaeda, literally the database, was originally the computer file of the thousands of Mujahideen who were recruited and trained with help from the CIA to defeat the Russians. So, so the name Al-Qaeda originated with the CIA, according to this. Yeah, well, those documentaries from the BBC claim that the uh, that even after the early events that took place against uh, American facilities like the embassies and whatever, where all, the Al Qaeda name came up, that we're the ones who who foisted the name on them. Exactly. So, but but it's it's being it's been marketed very differently than, from what it is. And, and when they first came out and said, it's Al-Qaeda, it basically means, yeah, the list of guys that we gave money to, right? I, I would have to assume so. But if you ask anyone, what is Al-Qaeda, they immediately imagine this, you know, this complex network of terror cells throughout the entire world of sleeper cells that are going to pop up and, uh, and annihilate us all. You know, it's been marketed as... As you know, this this group, uh, you know, the guys in the I love that every single time they show an Al, they talk about an Al Qaeda training camp. You see those guys on the monkey bars. Don't you love that video? <laughs> you, see, you see some guys with hoods on on fucking monkey bars like, OK, yeah, that's really frightening. But to me, it's just it's like, wow, I, I, I totally believed Al Qaeda was like, you know, this name of this, you know, these guys like, uh, you know, Al Qaeda is the same as uh you mean other, uh, like the IRA, you know what I'm saying? Like a terrorist group. But it's not. It was just the fucking name of the database of, of the Mujahideen that, that, that the CIA funded. That's to me, is a, is a revelation. But since, yeah, well, but since then, haven't the people involved with bin Laden kind of adopted or, in fact, co-opted the name and, and perhaps use it? Because I think El, I think Al Jazeera uses it as a as a name of an organization now, and I mean things change. 
No, I understand, but that's the beauty of it. You know, they they threw a fucking media virus into the ether and it's stuck. I mean, there's, it makes a meme. A meme, yeah, but it, it makes no difference. Uh, I, I'm just amazed. It, to me, it's just another little little tick the box there as to how all this all this shit was orchestrated. I mean, that's a that's a that's a good job on uh, on pumping that one out there. The people now have this Al Qaeda meme and they believe that it really is this true terror network. That's pretty impressive. Well, you got to do something to get the people riled up. <sighs> well, I'll do some more research on it. Yeah, I think it needs. You know, I don't think I don't know if there's a, anyone's explored it to the nth degree because I'm sure you could actually find some one person if you really did your homework. I hate to use that term because it's not really homework, <laughs> but if you actually did enough research, uh, you could probably narrow it down to some one guy. Unless, of course, it's buried deep within the confines of the. Uh, of Langley, um, <laughs> but I, I would assume that you know somebody came up with this bright idea, calling it that. Yeah. Well, it's all. Those, I, the, sorry, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say those documentaries are fantastic. That now, who's the name of that guy that that produces those? Um, people should look him up because they have most of them on YouTube. They're quite good. Yeah, he no, did one I, on I linked fear, to it. Uh, he, he's, yeah. he, his new one on fear is good, and there's a couple other ones. I'll have to. We'll have to. Adam track Curtis, it down. that's his name. Adam Curtis. Adam Curtis. Right. Yeah. He has a new one on fear. Is that what you said? He's got another one out that's even, that's really outstanding. It's on fear or fear, the politics of fear or something like that. It's another three or four parter. Goes on forever. Yeah. But and with him, you know, he does the voiceover, and. Um, He's got this really interesting voice because it's it's got this cynicism built into it, the tones. That oh, are, I, I enjoyed like, it thoroughly. I mean, it was there were there were the documentaries were well well put together for sure. I really liked watching him. Yeah, and he has and he uses sound effects much the way you and I do uh, <laughs> he does, here right, and yeah. there, which is always hilarious. Yeah. And he uses that boing, boing sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there was another documentary I was watching uh, while bedridden, um, and it was uh, it was funny because. <laughs> It was called. Uh, oh, it was about the uh, the binge drinking here in the UK, and uh, you know the, this uh, this New Year celebration all time high. I think the record was at one point five hundred calls per second were coming into the emergency services about people who you know uh, basically alcohol related problems at that very moment, like dying of poisoning, etc. <laughs> alcohol poisoning, and and it's it's just. Um, but this documentary was unbelievable. Um, people of Britain, you're killing yourselves. It's it's well, it's 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 an epidemic, John. How much drinking does it entail? Oh, hold on. Oh shit. What'd you do? <laughs> you fall off the chair. <laughs> I rolled over the headphone wire, and then my head like got stuck between my knees. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um. Well, well, you know, so they have this girl. She's the singer for some, you know, non non important pop group, Liberty X. You know, basically needed a gig, and they follow her for. It was one of these thirty day deals like format, and so they follow her for thirty days while she just binge drinks with everyone else, and you know keeps a long pace and then you know they basically follow her physical but also her mental abilities and of course you know you know what's going to happen and how they decline and etc but just looking at at and of course you know it's just one view and it's edited to show a lot of bad shit so you know but but i have a a 17 year old daughter and you know she tells me everything and this is actually happening everywhere and it's bad well what happens is the the Brits. I'm just going to generalize for a second. They like to dr- they they. The consensus that I got from the documentary is that the Brits 
only real fe- really feel comfortable socializing when they're drunk. <laughs> they and and but they, but it's it's okay. It's not like they they they're not they hiding it. Be, they're not hiding they have it. To, right? Do they have to be quote unquote drunk? Yeah. No. Yeah. Drunk. Um, like drunk. Yeah, not like not like one beer. No, it has to be like eight eight beers. You know, and and this is it's unfair. Eight pints. Eight pints. Oh, John, you have no idea how much people can put away here. And and I and I've I've talked to a lot of Brits about it, and they say, hey, it's our culture. You know, and look, it's okay. But and and by the way, the majority of the Brits, you know, hold their liquor with decency, and with that I mean. They don't all get rowdy and fight. They don't all projectile vomit. They don't all right, fall all down. Right, they're like the Irish who are, I've been in many a British pub, and an Irish guy comes up to you and he starts yelling at yeah, you. Exactly. No, no I mean, the, and in fact, um, I have, uh, he hasn't called in in a while, but I had Charles the Drunken Londoner who would call, you know, my show completely fucking hammered, you know, and, it, and, <laughs> and he was great. You know, in fact, he started calling sober and uh, he wasn't that funny anymore. Oh yeah, makes sense. <laughs> but, but, but but you know, so so they're they're happy drunks. They're, I I got no problem with it. But man, they're fucking, You're killing yourselves. It's just it's it's unbelievable that it's gotten to a very very, I think a critical point. And meanwhile, um, well, isn't that why they used to close the pubs early and then they changed the law? Now you can drink all the time. Now it's twenty four hours. Yeah, but it doesn't really matter. Um, it ha- the the increase is not because of that necessarily. I don't think. But it's a coincidence. I mean, there, mm, I, there's been lots of studies, uh, and you know, some places are you know turning it back, and uh, I don't think it's mandatory. You know, you can you can set a curfew in in a municipality, I guess, if you want to. Mm. Uh, but it, it starts early, you know. It's it's you know let's let's drink eight pints or you know what I saw in the documentary eighteen eighteen pints no 18? problem eighteen you could be under you be peeing all day yeah well <laughs> well you know there's a lot of cultures like if you go and people I don't think Americans especially don't understand this because you know we we don't really like to. I mean, it's a funny gag to say that you drink during the day, but most people don't even drink usually at lunch. And I find it difficult to have even a couple glasses of wine yeah, if I too. have a big lunch yeah. because I get logy. Yeah. I can't, you know, I'm like tired. I got to take a nap. I mean, the French can do it because they, you know, they take most of their... Because uh, they, they don't have to work, man. <laughs> the lazy French fuckers. But, uh, you know, then the culture is somewhat different. And, you know, you do things differently there. But anyway... Um, where was I going with this? I got interrupted by a, by an IM from someone, and, I, and now I get the phone ringing. So uh, let that go. Um, no, you were... Actually, can you pause this for one second? <laughs> yes. Or you just want me to? No, I'm I'm paused. Anyway, sorry, I was rudely interrupted by someone sending me an IM telling me I made a bunch of money on a stock. So um, I lost my train of thought because of that, because that never happens. <laughs> so anyway. So if people don't, you know, Americans don't know, you know, we were pretty circumspect about how we drink. I mean, that doesn't mean that people don't get drunk, but, and it is probably more of a problem if you go wait until like nine o'clock and then just start, you know, pounding drinks, which I think people do. But like in Europe, like in Denmark, for example, I was, first time I went to Denmark, which was, I don't know, over a decade ago, <laughs> you go into the airport because I had to get an early flight out. And I'm at the airport uh, at uh, eight. 8.30, and everybody's drinking Carlsberg. Right. You know, they all have their beers uh, for breakfast. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, that's kind of interesting. Oh, the Dutch uh, the Dutch prince, uh, when he was still alive, every morning he would have a Heineken beer. 
Yeah. Prince in the morning. morning. Yeah, in the morning. For breakfast. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a, it's a thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I will try that. <laughs> it's a lifestyle choice. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, from a social perspective, uh, this country also happens to have a, an enormously high uh, divorce rate. There's tons of kids that shuttle back and forth between moms and dads and cousins and uncles. I mean, it's an island, right? It is a yeah. fucking island. And, um, yeah, and, uh, and sexual health uh, is also not too fantastic here because people are so fucking drunk, you know, they don't wear protection. There's, teenage pregnancy is outrageously high. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, so I don't know how many, you know, the thing that people have to realize when we talk about somebody drinking eight pints, which are these big giant beer glasses or 18 is that the beer, which is actually ale in England, mostly, uh, is very high in alcohol often. Uh, it's not the 3.2 crap that we get in the United States. It's more like six, sometimes seven percent. Oh yeah, no, it's real good. It's at least five, five. So eighteen but pints a, is uh, like uh, eight and a half liters. Yeah, that's a. Uh, that would be a lot of alcohol. I think that would be like <laughs> drinking a bottle of, or a whole bottle of vodka, maybe something like that. I'm not but sure. The, but that's uh, that's what that's what people do, John. I'm not kidding you. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, see, so you learn something new. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I've gone pub crawling when I go to London. with you. There's some my friends there, and I will float around. But generally speaking, especially an after-work pub crawl, consists of, you know, you, you actually have two pints. You have one at one pub, and then you go visit another, and then you find another pub you want to stay at, and then you have another pint. Yeah. And that's it. Because if you have a third pint, I always, you know, lecture people, about this. So you want to float around and have three pints of beer, it will affect your. Uh, it will affect your uh, sense of balance yeah, and other things. You think? But, <laughs> you know, pretty fast. I mean, you can do two, and you have to. You know, and you, and you don't just guzzle them. Oh, you do man. a couple. I mean, you can drink one fast if you're thirsty. But generally speaking, I mean, you could stay out all night, I guess. But eight. Yeah. I don't even know how you can manage it. Yeah. Well. I mean, I'd be throwing. I would be throwing up, and I and I know how to drink. Well, we're all going to be safe, John. This just came in. Oh, I'm so happy about this. Tens of thousands of airline passenger jets will soon be flying with anti-missile systems. <laughs> courtesy, what does that mean? Courtesy of the TSA. <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? Well, here, well, the, the, it's exactly what it means. The uh, Here. Three American airlines uh, have been already been outfitted. They fly daily round, uh, routes between New York and California. Anti-missile jamming uh, laser jammers. <laughs> oh, God. That's, that's, in, that's not encouraging. <laughs> it's, uh, let me see what it is. Oh, it's, uh, it's, uh, oh of course, because um, we want to <laughs> jam uh, shoulder-fired fired missiles. Can you believe this shit? Who manufactured those shoulder-fired missiles in the first place? Well, uh, I'm sure some fine American company manufactured them. Here it is. Although although there has not been an attempt to take down a jet on U.S. soil with a shoulder-fired missile, Homeland Security has... Well, you know, a lot of people are still suspicious of that TWA flight. Uh, Which one? The one that blew up after takeoff. Oh, in uh, New York? 
became a big conspiracy theorist. Uh, kind I, of, uh, I don't. Th- I, I think that was. Uh, I've seen the accident data on that. I'm, I think that was a, a very unfortunate uh, rudder pr- uh, problem that was I later it was corrected. A fuel tank exploded. That's what they claimed. It's like the fuel tanks blew up. For the one, you mean the one that landed like in Brooklyn? No, this is the one that blew up in the middle of the air. It's TWA flight, whatever it is, seven something or other, seven hundred maybe. Oh, that one. Oh no, uh, I thought they already said that that was a like a tape recorder that had. Uh, no, that was Pan Am one hundred and three. Fuck, I don't know, man. No, it was a. It was the. Uh, there was an electrical oh, was, short oh, was off the a coast. tank, and it, right, yeah. right, off the coast of Maine. Yeah, and then somebody's, you know, there was eyewitnesses that said that they saw a missile, you know, but then these guys were shut up by the government. Nobody wanted to say anything after that. All right. Well, uh, whoever's making Pierre these... Salinger, this is the one where Pierre Salinger came out, you know, the ex-president guy, you know, presidential spokesperson for Kennedy, comes out and he says, he says it was a great government conspiracy because he got suckered by one of these conspiracy websites and humiliated himself. Mm. Oh, boy. Anyway. So uh, it'll only cost $1 million per plane to have this installed. Oh, gee, I should get into the missile jamming business. Good business. Shit, yeah. <sighs> Unbelievable. So is this thing going to just be shooting laser rays down at the public? Or what? what I don't understand. Well, How does it turn I th- on? No, I, th- I think there's, well, there's two ways that you can... Uh, I, mean, I guess these shoulder missiles, so they're either, either they're heat-seeking, which then you use what's called chaff which is basically like throwing aluminum foil uh, into the air, and that distracts the, the missile, thinking it needs to go hit that. Oh, wait, that's chaff yeah, is yeah, for the... They, chaff is for hot, the... It's hot, hot chaff, yeah. Yeah, hot flares usually. Hot, yeah. You have flares and chaff, and, uh, and then they're going to jam the radar. I'm like, what the fuck happens after the... So the jet jams the radar, then that thing comes back down to earth, though, doesn't it? There's nobody shooting missiles at these planes. Of course yet. not. <laughs> but it, what, what a fantastic! This is well. Of course, this is off of AOL News. <laughs> so it's the top of their news today. Huh. Well, now we know we don't cover the news. Yeah, you're right. So what else is going on? I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, we could talk about the caucus, but I, I don't really understand. Oh, that yeah, too the well. caucus is who cares? This yeah. is like, oh, you know, just a good thing to, you know, these people, it's, it means nothing. I, I don't quite understand it either. I mean, well, the caucus is a different system for, for picking uh, representatives. You know, the way the system works, we pr- pick a bunch of representatives, they go to the convention, and they pick the guy who's going to run for the office. And the way they do in Iowa is they use this caucusing system, which is a little different than voting because you, keep, you can keep changing your vote. If, you don't get, if the guy doesn't get a majority, then you can, and you voted for a guy who only got 15%, you can change your vote to somebody else in the next round until they finally decide on who they're going to pick. Right. And it's a complicated process, you know, that's not the way it used to be in the, with the smoke-filled rooms. And I'm of the opinion, and I say this often, is that I think we had better politicians running the country when we were doing it through, via the smoke-filled rooms. And people were, you know, people knew what they were doing were, rather than the public who were suckered by, you know, idiots. By, uh, by Huckabee playing bass on Leno. Right, and things like that. And, you know, Britney Spears would be the president, you know, if given a shot. And uh, the old day, the olden days with the smoke-filled rooms, cigar smoke-filled, by the way, Yes. Um, I thought gave us some better people, although, you know, there's a bunch of boneheads all throughout so history. So how, how many but, states have, have a caucus then? 
four? I think there's only a couple. Four or five? Four, I don't know. Okay. Maybe. Is, I don't think that there's just, that Is that just many. some really old school thing that just kind of stuck? Way, right, right. And Iowa's the only one I know of. I, but did, I can did all the original, uh, the original states, did they all caucus back in the day, or was... You, I, I, you know, I should know. I don't know, but I'm guessing they probably did uh, smoke-filled rooms mostly, or ca- they may have called it caucusing because the way a caucus back in the day, well, there's that storm again, just going to blow the screen out of here. Uh, back in the day, there is a um, uh, the caucuses were closed. These are open. Oh, okay. Well, Ron Paul certainly sucked. <laughs> he's not. I don't think he's going to make it. But I, how, I don't understand how that happens. He's not a chosen boy. They got the whole thing's rigged. That's the way I see it. Well, if it was truly rigged, then, um, then according to your theory, McCain would have. Oh, I talked to Patricia about McCain. Uh. No, McCain has to stay in third because he's the he's the the horse running back in the pack. So they don't the the, the negative media attention is not going to be focused on him. And by the time all these other guys are beaten to death by the system, nah, no, but that that's no, that's when Ron Paul is going to sneak ahead. You watch, that's when it's going to happen. He's already beaten to death. I don't know. I I mean, I I have to remain it's positive rigged. first of all. Yeah, you, you say it's rigged, but you know how so rigged. It's rigged. There's these guys that have already chosen who's going to be running, and they just make it happen. I don't know how they do it. If I was part of that system, I be, wouldn't be talking to you. <laughs> Gee, thanks, <laughs> fucker. <laughs> You'd be out there rigging more systems. Exactly. Yeah, I'd okay. be making your life miserable. I'd be saying, who's this Curry guy? Let's put him on a watch list. Yeah, let's fuck with him for a while. Yeah. All right, So, but then it's got to be rigged on the Democratic side as well. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so interesting. Though, and here's though. the way, and I'm going to tell you again how I think that's going to play out. It's going to be Hillary, but she's going to have to concede to Obama so he becomes the vice presidential candidate. And so it's going to be, those are going to be the two. I can't see it going the other way around because she's not going to be vice president. She won't put up with that. But I think it's got to be her as president and him as vice president, which they can argue. You can rationalize that as an unbeatable ticket because you get all the women and all the blacks to vote for this party, you know, for these two people. And you will win, you know, statistically, except for the fact you're not going to get all the blacks to vote for this guy. And you're not going to get all the women to vote for her by any means. And uh, so the fact is it's going to be actually a, an unelectable ticket because there's going to be so much negative energy that, that is focused on that thing that whoever the Republican is will win easily. It's almost like a Hollywood script, uh, what you and just you should, said. By there. the way, you should that description of what's going to happen, you should save a copy on your in one of those folders of yours. And so when <laughs> after the election, we can play this old no agenda, and you can hear this again You know, you know, know, a year later yeah. about how unbelievably accurate I am about this stuff. Right, but of course, so the, so the Democrats won't win. It'll be McCain, who will who's going to win because uh, he will win the Republican ticket. And who's his VP going to be? Well, I was initially thinking Giuliani, and I'm going to kind of stick with that for a while. But whoever the Republican run that runs is is going to win. That's for sure. And I'm I'm going to stay right now with the prediction it's going to be McCain at the top of the ticket. Um, and he'll win against no matter who the Democrats run. They got nobody. I mean, who are they going to run? John Edwards, that guy? I was listening to him after the thing. The guy sounds coked up. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
You know, some people kind of talk like this. Well, he's talking like this now. Like, he can't breathe through his nose. Well, maybe, I, I like to maybe know he has why. the neurovirus. Come on, man. Give I the guy a break. I don't think so. That'd be, be the projectile vomiting. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. Well, I shall certainly save this in one of my folders, one of my shared folders. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and we'll see. Okay. Well, I still have hope. Uh, yeah. I guess that's all I can have. And I can yeah, that's all you can have. And I can t- continue to support Ron Paul. I, I, you know, I think as long as people are getting the message, that'll work. Because, you know, God forbid, if that, really does, if that scenario really does play out, it's going to be a very confused country. Well, it doesn't make any difference. There's more to the story that, you know, uh, I'll discuss in future episodes of this fine show. Oh, boy. Well, I can't wait. And on that note, Mr. Dvorak, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, it's a pleasure. <laughs> All right. uh, coming to you from the Curry Manor in uh, the United Kingdom, I'm Adam Curry. Yeah, and I'm John C. Dvorak in Stormy, indeed, Northern California. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. The best and the brightest served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, pod show, and limelight. <laughs>